Good morning. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. So get your Bibles out or your phones. And you better be on your Bible app. <laughs> we know when you're checking Facebook. My name is Nate. I'm, uh, I think technically, what do they call me? I think they call me an urban church planter. I don't remember. My ordination was, um, I don't remember what they call me, but I do street ministry. How about that? I do street ministry. I've been doing street ministry since 1999. We do it all over the world. It's my favorite thing to do. And... So if I say words that you're unfamiliar with, just ask me later, because we talk different in the street. <laughs> Let me think of a good example. I remember being in, um, we had a mission, uh, mission team come visit one of our sites in Benton Harbor. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, and had a ministry site there, and one of the dudes next, was sitting next to us. He was like, Mom, and that whip banging. And the mission team was like, <laughs> they're speaking English, but they're not. Or it just means he liked the car. So uh, it's been a couple times when I've been preaching and someone was, I'll say something and I can see they're looking at me curious. Like, what does that even mean? Don't worry about it. <laughs> the Holy Ghost will tell you. Holy Spirit, wait, where are we at? Holy Spirit will tell me. <laughs> okay, sorry. We're, uh, what I'm going to do, I want to just, um, I'm going to intertwine uh, like kind of who we are in the ministry of Hesed, and then um, along with uh, like a word from the Lord about maybe the church and how we should be thinking about ministry and how we should start acting. Is that all right? Let's give it a shot. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although... I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people. This grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So, Heavenly Father, we just ask, won't you send your Holy Spirit and guide us into everything that you want for us this morning? We're coming here from different uh, walks of life, different homes, different situations, but we're here now. 
and we didn't have to be. So now that we're here, breathe life into us and fire us up to go back into your world and to love on everyone. Hey, Lord, what you're doing all over the world, we ask that you would start to do here, too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, verse 10. You see where it says his intent? So God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And you see that word manifold? Manifold. It's the, uh, uh, the Greek word is palapoikolos. Um, and it means the many different colors. So um, another way to say it would be the many different colored wisdom of God. And actually, it's the same word that they use for the word embroidery. So if you've ever seen a piece of embroidery where all the different threads go together to make this amazing piece, and this just said that God's intent was now through who? The church. So us, through us, God's intent is that through us, he's going to make known the many different colors of wisdom that he has to even the principalities and powers and rulers in the air. So even the angels are going to learn about how amazing God is through his people showing off his wisdom. And we're done. That's, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we could be done after that. That's enough to sit and meditate on, don't you think? You sit and think about that for a couple minutes. Now, uh, just so hear that. Now I'm going to show you some uh, statistics that I got out of two main books particularly. One is called Almost Christian by Kenda Creasy-Dean, and it's on the spirituality of teenagers in Canada and the United States. And then the other one is called Unchristian by Gabe Lyons. It's also about spirituality, but it's about the spiritual situation in particularly the United States. Um, I got those statistics. Now I put them together, um, and we're going to uh, put it together with the the stats about Wayne County, which is, you'll see, hold on. In the book, in both of them, they're, they're pretty close to the same when it says uh, about 80% of uh, adult Americans with no church affiliation at all. And since those books are about five years old, it's even a little bit worse than that. They say right around 16, 17% of adult Americans uh, attend church on a regular basis. And a regular basis for them means once a month. If you, church, if you attend church once a month, you're a regular church attender for these, for these researchers. All right, got it? Population in Wayne County from 2014 census is about 1.7 million. So that means if we took the statistics from the books and put it over the, the population of Wayne County, that means in general, there are about 1.4 million in, in Wayne County with no church affiliation at all. Make sense? 
Next. Of that 1.4 million, of anybody who is unchurched in the United States right now, there are 85% they found, 85% who are willing to have a discussion about the Lord. So they're still not going to any church at all, but still very willing to talk about the Lord, and that's 85%. That means that of that 1.4 million, there's almost 1.2 million that have no church affiliation and are very willing to talk about the Lord. Got it? Make sense? Next. Only 15% of those unchurched are open to discussing God, who are open to discussing God, would consider going to a church to get that spiritual need met. Does that make sense? So you have this big group of people who are unaffiliated with any church at all. 85% of that huge group are still willing to talk about the Lord, but only 15% of that group would be ever willing to even think about going to a church to get that spiritual need met. So what that means, well, here, that's easier to understand. About uh, just over a million people in Wayne County alone that are open to talking about God who would not consider going to a church to get that spiritual need met. So that means we got to start thinking a little bit missionally, huh? They're not coming in here, but they're very willing to talk about the Lord, which means what? We got to get out there. Now, uh, the, the thing of it is, one of the things that I really appreciate about missionaries and mission work is that they have a lot of opportunity to be really creative when it comes to how are we going to do mission work. Because if you're going over to an unchurched region, then what, what good would it do to build a church building? For what? You know why we have this building right here? So that we're not burning up right now. Or so that we don't get rain and snowed on. Huh? Because when we gather, we want to be able to gather in some type of comfort. Now, it's unnecessary if you go to an a, a un, unreached people group. Why would you build a church building right away? You have no need. So you got to figure out, how are we going to get around the people if they're not going to come to a church building? Uh, our friends Vern and Carla Sturk, uh, who have done mission work in Chiapas, Mexico, for about 40 years, uh, they had the same issue when they went down to Chiapas, because Chiapas is the southernmost state in Mexico. They go down there, and there was um, basically um, a really perverted form of Catholicism. It was all that was there. Um, so not really anything going on as far as Jesus' work is concerned, and no need to actually build a church building. So okay, we're here to, to impact people for Jesus, what do we do? Well, one of the things that Carla first saw was, you know what, I'm going to help the ladies bring water from the river every morning. So she just helped them every morning, every morning get up and help them. She's starting to build relationships. Vern said, you know what, I'm going to help the guys doing repairs on roofs. I can, I'm, I, guess I can help in some way. Started helping people repair roofs. Just building relationships, getting around the people. Eventually, they started doing some um, schoolwork, um, helping to teach and train um, the children. Eventually, they, uh, they, they built a basketball court, taught them how to play basketball. But it's only like 10 years into their work there that they had their first convert. 
because they had to get around the people. The people had to start to trust them. Then they had to start to work with them. Then they had to start to ask questions about, now, what is this about the Bible that you've been saying about? And then they start, okay, and, the, and they start to get around the people, and then they can start to uh, minister the word. And uh, 40 years later, they had, I mean, there's a church building there now, and it's packed with people who have come to know the Lord, but that was not their first instinct because why build a church building if there's, no one to come to the church building. Really not a very good use of stewardship. Not, not a good stewardship. Uh, but now, the thing that we've got to start to realize is that in our country, we have a mass exodus from churches. You know, I don't have to tell you that. You can see it. And, now, but, and the thing is, I, I really, really love gathering on Sundays. I love worshiping with other people who are in love with Jesus. I, I love um, uh, spending time in, in prayer with other believers, but we've got to realize that that can't be our main way to get to people because you just saw how many people aren't even going to consider coming here even though they're very open to talking about the Lord. That should mean something to us, and what I think is that we're going to have to start thinking with what I'm calling a missional imagination. What are we going to do to start thinking like missionaries? I realize from reading these books, and you, you, you can find the same statistics as I can, that United States has become one of the top receiving nations of missionaries. When the global Christian community looks around the world for places that there's opportunity to speak to people about the Lord, they look at the United States, they say, we better send a whole bunch of people. We're still one of the top sending nations of missionaries, but we have, come, we have finally gotten to the top as far as receiving nation when it comes to receiving missionaries. The people that need to get on board with that, we do. The church, yeah. We've we got to get on board. Hey, all right, this is the mission field. Uh, what I do want to address just real quickly is the, the word imagination because uh, we have vivid imaginations. I don't like it when people say, well, I don't have a very good imagination. Well, I don't know if I agree with you. You might use your imagination to think on other things. Yeah, but you still have a pretty good imagination. Ask moms and see if they can use their imagination to worry themselves into a panic. Huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dads, ask dads if they worry themselves into a panic attack over finances. Yeah. Well, you just use your imagination on other things because I personally believe that imagination is neutral. It can be used for good, and it can be used to harm us and to think on unrighteousness. What we have been challenging one another to do is to ask God for a sanctified imagination. God, make our imaginations holy and start to shake us up internally about different ideas about how to reach the harvest. If you could do anything to reach somebody for the Lord, what would it be? That's what we've been challenging one another. I do want to kind of mention to you that Genesis 1:26 is still true. You've been made in the image of God. He said, let's make man in our image and after our likeness. Now, do you know what that means for me? You have been given one of the most amazing abilities to imagine. 
Think of what a mad artist our God is. Well, actually, what you'd, all you'd have to do is just look around the room and look at the variety in the faces here. Huh? Oh, man, I'm give this kind of nose, and then I, this would go really good with this kind of eye color. Imagine a God who comes up with a hippopotamus. Huh? For real. And the next breath is coming up with something like a kangaroo. How is this? Wow. And then said, we're going to make beings like us. Meaning, you got an imagination. And we've been called to show off the glory of God and his manifold wisdom to the whole world. And he actually has given us the assignment to show him off. So then what we have to do is, because I go into uh, neighborhoods and I think I've been, we started scouting in Detroit about two and a half years ago. And all that means is we just go through the neighborhoods looking and asking God, where do you want us to be? So when we found um, the place in Brightmore, said, man, that's it. I knew it was it. Uh, just, it's, it's just a regular looking house. Uh, what do you think, about 1,000 square feet? I mean, it's probably not even 1,000 square feet, is it? But it's in the middle of a, a pretty hurting neighborhood um, where there's two houses between us and the liquor store. So we see people going by all day, every day. Not all day, because it doesn't open till 9. So between 9 and midnight, we see people going through, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Uh, perfect for what we want to do. Yep. So we get there, uh, start fixing the house up a little bit, uh, getting it ready to, to just love on people. My heart, and I have told everyone who comes in there who starts to become part of our ministry, is that when people get to know our house and when people start to come into the house, that every single thing in the house is there to love people. So that means when it comes to loving people, the sky's the limit. Let me hear some of your best ideas. I know right away that uh, I'll tell you right now that one of our best ministry tools in that house right now is the washer and dryer that we got from Grace Canton. Grace Canton said, hey, we got an extra washer and dryer. We're like, yes, yes, because I want you to know that in some of these hurting neighborhoods, when it comes time to do laundry, do you know how much laundry costs? Laundry mats are expensive. And if you're on a limited budget already, you're not going to take your last dollars to do laundry. You're just going to wear dirty clothes. So we got a, 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 a washer and dryer. That thing gets used all the time. Hey, we had four, four different people who did laundry at our house yesterday. I had to stay up late because the, the dude was like, man, I just want this last load to get done. I like, all right. <laughs> for Jesus, for Jesus. <laughs> Young kid, Meech is probably about 19, homeless in Detroit, has a duffel bag full of his clothes. Can I please wash him? Yes, you can. And while he's sitting there waiting for his wash to get done, guess what? Captive audience. Whatever we got to do, whatever we got to do. Vernon Carla said, hey, let's carry water with the people. We said, hey, let's provide a place where they could get their laundry done. Do you know how many people have come into the ministry house to take a shower? We were doing, we were doing Bible study last, thir last Thursday, and the dude there was like, man, 
you don't care if I, if I take a shower, do you? Do you know how many people in our neighborhood are living in houses right now without any water, any electricity, any, any of the, they're, just, they're in a house without anything on? Yes, of course you could take a shower. Get in there, here's a, here's a towel, here's the soap. Enjoy yourself, linger. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, the, th the thing is, we, what we want to do is figure out, okay, now that we realize we have this amazing imagination, and now that the sky's the limit when it comes to reaching people for the Lord, what do you want to try? What's next? Uh, let me think. I, let's see if I got enough. Okay, I got, um, a while ago, the Lord told me to start doing my, my oil paintings only in the ministry house, because I used to do it off-site. And um, so I do uh, oil paintings, and there are people that will come just to see the oil painting. They won't come for a Bible study. They won't come to get anything to eat, but they'll come to see if there's new art. This one right here, um, actually, we sold it. It's, it's not with us anymore. It's down in South Florida. Oh, well. It helped to support the ministry. <laughs> Uh, it's called Sun is Rising. You see it's S-O-N. The sun is rising. It's, off of, it's uh, out of Psalm chapter 2, and it's about the absolute, um, there is, uh, like the, the craziness of ever trying to stop a rising sun. You could never do it. And that's actually what Psalm 2 is about, about the Messiah who is going to be set on the hill in his throne, whether you like it or not. And there are people that are very lo much looking forward to it. That's why you can see some of the music. There are people, other, uh, other beings, who are a little bit worried about it. But what, whether you're excited or you're not excited, you're not going to stop the sun from rising. That took me, what, 30 seconds? I ministered to someone in 30 seconds using a painting. Missional imagination. What would you do? What would you try? If you really believed God had your back. Uh, we do, uh, three of our uh, ministry sites do have uh, t-shirt screen printers. So we teach people how to do t-shirt screen printing. Um, that's been a real blessing because it does actually um, generate money for the ministry because we're a missionary organization, kind of. And so our people don't tithe. <laughs> this is just the reality of doing street ministry. Uh, that help to provide money for the ministry. But when you're down there making 300 shirts, you get a chance to talk about a lot, including Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, and so that's actually what we've been um, challenging one another to do. I know that one of the things that we've actually just stumbled upon was something that we're going to start doing a lot more is we're going to start throwing a lot more parties. We threw, <laughs> we threw, uh, we threw a Father's Day party. Man, the neighborhood came out. We, we grilled. We got enough food for anybody, everybody. And throwing the football around. Horseshoes. We got horseshoes out. We, play, we were throwing horseshoes. We got the karaoke machine. Bouncy house. Bouncy house. We had to unplug the karaoke machine. <laughs> we were like, they're not going home. 
They weren't. They weren't going home, were they? They weren't going home. They weren't going home. How wonderful to be able to go down the street in the middle of a really hurting neighborhood and party in a holy way. Man, we are blasting our, 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 gospel, our gospel rap. Blasting it. They had a dance-off. We had an impromptu party July 4th. An accident. We decided we're going to start throwing more parties. If, the, if you could do anything to try and love people for the Lord, what would you do? It's called a missional imagination, and I believe that you all should be thinking, like, okay, what can I do to love somebody for Jesus today? I don't know what kind of wisdom God has given you. I know that my grandmother happens to have um, knitting wisdom. I've not, I, don't, I don't know how she does it. She actually does have embroidery wisdom. I've not uh, adopted that. Uh I don't know what kind of wisdom God has given you, but he has given you wisdom to be able to show off his glory. And we as the church, now that we realize we're in a mission field, right, in our own nation, and we need to start learning how to use the imagination God gave us to win the harvest for him. So God... I'm asking that you, with all the power that heaven has, would shine down on our hearts and minds and open up our spirits to the infinite possibilities that you have. We know that it seems like you have become single-minded in winning your people back to yourself. Well, we want to join in on that. We don't want to get caught with just uh, the same old, same old every single day. We want to realize that you have given us amazing imaginations and many, many resources and many, many networking connections and that with with you and, and us, we can start to come up with some of the most amazing ideas on how to reach people for your glory. Lord, really? I'm asking that you would shock us with the ideas that we come up with. And years and years later, as we're all sitting at the great banquet, we'll laugh and laugh and laugh about how amazing and crazy you did, you worked through us. I wouldn't want to have family members that were lost, and I know you don't either. So use whatever means necessary through us to win your people back. Thank you, Lord.